0: Welcome to Unfuck Your Brain, the only podcast that teaches you how to use psychology, feminism, and coaching to rewire your brain and get what you want in life. And now here's your host, Harvard Law School grad, feminist rock star, and master coach, Kara Lowenthal.
1: Hello, my chickens. So a few weeks ago, you all heard me go through a style evolution process on air live with the fabulous Judith Gatan who is an amazing coach. She's a student of mine. She's one of my first one-on-one clients back in the day. And then she became a coach. She may have already been a coach then. She was also a lawyer at the time. Now she is a coach full-time. She's a master certified coach. She went through the advanced certification in feminist coaching, and she's a style coach for curvy women. And so we did a whole podcast on kind of her area of expertise, which is style and kind of evolving my style on air. So if you haven't listened to that, go back. But today I want to share a conversation we had on a totally different topic, actually. And this aired on Judith's podcast. And I wanted to share the conversation with you because I think it was such an interesting conversation. We had a conversation about mentorship and kind of what mentorship means, ways of being a mentor how to build a mentorship relationship but this is a term that it's interesting like watching how the lingo of the coaching space changes i've started to see this use of the term mentorship as like a coaching offering or as a coaching relationship start to come in to practice which and to use it's not that well defined and i think it's you know you could probably have a whole interesting conversation about the sort of ways that we maybe commodify certain kinds of personal relationships. In any case, I don't have a fully worked out theory about what's happening in the coaching space with this word. It's not something that I use in my offerings or my work, but in terms of paid offerings. But certainly being a mentor, being a mentee, I've been both of those roles in different areas of my professional life, different parts of my career. And I do think that those relationships can be very important depending on your kind of industry and your field and how it works. So Judith and I had a really good conversation about how to be a good mentor, how to be a good mentee, how to find and build a mentoring relationship, how to think about a mentoring relationship from both sides. And so I think it's well worth a listen for all of you. So without further ado, Judith and I are going to take it away. Have a beautiful week.
0: Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Style Masterclass Podcast. This week and in the coming weeks, we're going to be doing a special series called The Mentors. And I'm going to be bringing on my mentors, colleagues, friends, teachers, people I admire to talk to you all about mentorship, what it means, how to potentially obtain a mentor, but also how to be a really good mentee, and the value of mentorship in you know, every woman's life. So I have a very special first guest in this series, Carl Lowenthal, who was my first one-on-one coach ever. There's a hilarious story about me ghosting her. Um, I was not a very good mentee. Oh
1: actually, God. you fired me. You didn't ghost me. You did send me an email asking for a refund. So it wasn't really ghosting.
0: Yeah. It was more like, oh my God, it was like a freak out and then have uh-huh. my money back. And then You know, tons of regret afterward. It's just a great, fun story. But I'll let you introduce yourself. Obviously, you can take that away, and then we'll start the conversation.
1: So I am Kara Lowenthal. I am the host of the Unfuck Your Brain podcast, and I have known Judith from very early on in her life coaching journey. So I feel like I've really, I've seen you from like being the first client to ever fire me and ask for refunds. You always have a special place in my heart because (laughs) of that, all the way through you know, you coaching you in various containers and then, then the advanced certification and feminist coaching that I offer that you came through. And then even like just seeing it you at, a, you at events and being like, hey, I'm just going to tell you what I think about a lot of things real fast, so, like on the side. So I feel like I've, I've seen, I've been witness to your growth over the years, which is one of the most fun parts of being someone's official or unofficial mentor. I'm the creator of The Clutch, which is my monthly feminist coaching program.
0: So, I mean, you, I feel like you've been a mentor and teacher of mine, and I actually did sit next to you at a recent uh, event, and I think it was the first time I was like,
1: oh, like, we've become buddies. (laughs) Well, I always thought we were buddies, but fair. That's fair. But I
0: think I've had you on a pedestal, and I think it was the first time I sat next to you on a pedestal, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, this. This like in my heart and mind, the dynamic was mm. different, which is kind of I think funny about mentorship relationships. So let's let's start. What is mentorship to you? Like when you hear that word, what comes to mind for you?
1: Yeah, you think I would have prepared for this interview. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting because I actually like for me, mentor is not a word that I use that often, and so when I I did think about this podcast, you know, a little bit before I showed up. But I think to me, a mentor is somebody who is you know, far, there's something sort of, um, what's the right word, like track specific about it. It's like someone is doing something that you are also doing. They've done the same thing. It's not like, well, I'm a life coach and my mentor is a nuclear physicist. Like it's sort of like, they are probably doing what you do at a higher level. They've like done what you have done before in some way. It doesn't always have to be professional necessarily, but I think a mentor is someone who you feel like, oh, you've, you've walked this path that I want to walk. Like, even if some of the details are different, or maybe I want to take a little bit of a different path, like you have experience and wisdom to share with me. I think in my mind, I always think of mentors as, um, and this is definitely subjective. I think of a mentor as unpaid that like a mentor is somebody I see a lot of, I see there's like parts of the coaching sphere where people talk a lot about, offering coaching mentorship. That's like a program you can buy with them, which seems just kind of be like high-level one-to-one business coaching, I guess. And I think to me, I've always thought of a mentor as somebody who is kind of um, playing it forward. Is that the term? But like, you know, there's not, that it's not a contractual financial relationship. It's like somebody is, somebody takes you under their wing and wants to kind of help lead you through this process of whatever you're trying to do. I mean, I came from academia and first as a first a lawyer and then academia where um your success especially in academia is very dependent on having these sort of mentor relationships or relationships with the older faculty members who are going to guide you are going to kind of like be your champion are going to stand up for you are going to advance you and coaching has proven to be a little bit a little more wide open field in terms of like what a mentor is and how that works. That was a long way of saying it, but that's what I got.
0: No, no. I love that because I, there's two things that I perked up on. First, the use of the word contract, but we will circle back to that in a second. (laughs) Two lawyers, two former former lawyers, lawyers. right? Two former lawyers chatting. I will put a pin in that because I do want to talk about there. Maybe there's not a financial contract, but I think there's like a social contract that kind of forms in that dynamic, But since you did come from academia and you did see the mentorship dynamic there, like how have you taken maybe some of the things that you observed or witnessed in that dynamic to your business as a
1: business owner and the fact that you lead a movement of a ton of amazing women? I mean, I think that they feel very different to me. One of the things I did not like about academia was that it felt like your future was dependent on these relationships with people who could be life tenure does strange things to people's brains. Like, just, you know, much like federal judges. Like, just, they could be very fraught, complicated relationships. And it definitely felt like a system in which you have to keep your mentor happy. And not all mentors are good at, not all academic mentors are good at, uh, you know, keeping things to the professional. It's just like a very weird enmeshed system. So I was kind of not a huge fan of that. Um, That's not why I left academia and I was doing what I needed to do in that way. But I think what I love about being an entrepreneur is that it feels to me like mentorship is both, both essential, but less essential. So like, it's essential in the sense that the problem with being an entrepreneur is that you have no idea what you're doing ever pretty much. Right. (laughs) You're making it all up as you go along and you, and like, if you don't have someone ahead of you who can help you, You're really just reinventing the wheel like every single fucking day, which is just really inefficient. So it's sort of more crucial, but it feels much much like freer. Like you can figure out who you want to try to have as a mentor. You can, like, in academia, it's like, well, I work in this topic area, and there's these three people who are experts in this field, and this one is at my institution, so I guess that's the person that I have to try to like attach myself to. Whereas as an entrepreneur, you can, I mean, there's just like such a huge variety, but I do think for me, the, like, defining quality of the of the relationship is that it is, yeah, not financially. It doesn't, it's actually interesting. Like, I have paid, people I would consider to be mentors, I have, like, paid for coaching programs with them. So it's not as though, no, it's not like money tarnishes the relationship or something. But there, it's like, you can pay for somebody to be your coach and they may or may not ever become your mentor. Somebody who's your mentor is somebody who to me is, like, invested in your success over time. And like, is with you on that journey. Like, I feel like I couldn't, I could, and I don't know, it would be interesting to think about like, do both people have to agree that you're their mentor? Like I can think Ooh, of myself
0: interesting, yeah, as
1: someone's mentor and like, not like, if I feel like if I didn't see you for five years and I saw you some, somewhere, I would just be like, tell me everything. What's your business model? What are you doing? Tell me all your bad thoughts. And I would like, oh yeah, <laughs> coach you without permission. And that like, to me, I'm just like, I always get to do that, which is like, I feel like we have that relationship.
0: Yes. I would, ask for,
1: I would ask for consent, I should say. I probably would not put you that consent. But I. But like it does feel to me like that is the nature of that relationship is like I could not have seen you for a while. You could have not have paid me for coaching for years. And like that doesn't like change the nature of that, of that relationship. Yeah,
0: I love that. And I think you're right. You could pay for coaching. You could pay for services or someone's knowledge base, but they're not doesn't ergo therefore they are they're your mentor. I think there's something special and unique about that relationship. But I, I agree. I don't think everyone, I don't think both parties have to agree though. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I think, yeah, I think there probably agree. are people who think I'm their mentor and I would never say that I was their mentor. Right. And there may be people that I think they're my mentee. I mean, I don't really use the term mentee in my own head, but there may be people where I think I am sort of a mentor to them. And they're like, I don't care what you think. Or like, I don't <laughs> want your opinion at all. It's a sort of like friendship. I I mean, I think it's most successful when both people are on the same page, but that's not like required.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think it's such a fun like thing to think about. Yeah. And I I mean, obviously I see you as like mentor, teacher, friend, and we had a moment and I don't know if you remember this at an um, event we were at and I pulled out, they gave us these, y'all, they gave us these really beautiful like journal things, these calendar schedule Full of like pages so you can make lists of things. And I busted it out. And I'm like petting this thing. I'm like massaging it. I was like, oh yeah, I get to make lists. <laughs> and like without skipping a beat, you were like, no lists. <laughs> Go make offers. No lists for you. <laughs> and like you have my number, right? But like You're it was right. that beautiful moment. You offer me that thought. And I'm like, oh yeah, she's so right. Let me not pet the list journals. <laughs>
1: Right. The list should have one thing on it, which is tell people I'm a life coach and ask them to hire me. That's the list.
0: That's the list. That's, the, that's always been the list, right? I mean yeah. yeah. So there's like
1: something about the emotional investment that makes something a mentorship, right? Like someone might meet with their business coach all the time. And I don't speak to, you know, you well, I speak to you frequently, but like there could be somebody I don't speak to for six months at a time. But and I think of like my mentors as this. Like I feel like at any moment, Brooke could just slide into my text and be like, why did you write that email that way or whatever? Like she could just like at any, you know, or just be like, this was great. But it's sort of like, to me, there's like, it's like at any time that people who I consider mentors might be like, I saw the thing you were doing and like, here's my two cents about it. And I and I would be like, okay, thank you. You know, that it's like that kind of an ongoing relationship that transcends the like, there've been times I've paid book for coaching. There's been times you paid me for coaching, but like the relationship transcends those containers in some way.
0: Yeah, I think that's, that's That's an interesting point. And I think that I'm reflecting on all the mentorships that I've been in either way. And I think that is a dynamic. There's this emotional component of someone having a vested interest in someone else's like future or success. And
1: supporting them and like bringing them up, right? I mean, in coaching, it's not as much about being like a champion in the room when they're discussing partnership, but that's not like our framework. But I think when I think about my mentors, the people that I think of myself as a mentor to... It is like a part of that is like hiring them to work events for me and like promoting them and their expertise and sort of, and there are people that I do that to who I don't think of as my mentees, right? So it really is like, it's not, it's not one thing. It's like an emotional relationship that's correlated with some action items, but there are people that I hire for my events and who come and whatever, who I don't think, I don't, we don't have that kind of relationship. Like I wouldn't just like sidle up to them and be like, stop stroking that book, go make an offer. Like... (laughs) because that's not the quality of that relationship. Yeah. No, this
0: makes sense. So let me ask you this, because I think there is a little bit of, and I just use the word social contract for just the the nature of the beast of what we're talking about. But the emotional component, that social contract, but I don't think that you can force that. And I think Mm -mm. sometimes when people are looking for mentors because they read a book that told them they should have one, they try to force that dynamic. So like, what would be your advice to someone who's trying to maybe reach out to someone to develop that relationship with them? And how do they not be
1: creepy? (laughs) I think the question is like, why do you want that relationship with them? Right? Like, I'm, I am sure there are people who go through the advanced certification of feminist coaching who think of me as their mentor, who I've really helped, who I like have no idea have that belief about me or like have not don't think of myself in that role to them. And that doesn't mean that I'm not their mentor. Like I am in some way because that, that's what they took from that work. So I think the difference is like, what's your thought about it? If your thought is like, I just want to learn from this person, right? I want to like get, you know, learn and grow under this person's like tutelage. That's one thing. If your thought is, I bet if that person promoted me, then I could like sign a lot more clients or something. Then you're coming from this kind of like, Graspy place. I mean, the biggest mistake I see people make in general in networking at all is that they do not think about how they can be helpful. They just think about what you can do for them. So, like, as somebody who's been in kind of professions where I had to cultivate very specific mentors, like, I had to be like, okay, there's one person in the country working on this and I need them to like me. Like, how am I going to get myself in front of them? How am I going to make that relationship right? My overriding thought was always like, what can I do to be of service to that person? How can I help them? Right? Like both because there's a natural human reciprocity that happens. If you help someone, then they want to help you back. Psychological studies on this, like, and I'm not saying this, you shouldn't use this to be manipulative and creepy and weird. But this (laughs) is like, there's something called a reciprocity bias. People want to help people who have helped them. Humans don't like to feel indebted or to have like a favor that someone could draw on. But also like, it's just... I mean often I think when people want access to me what it feels like they do is they like dm me to flatter me or something where I'm just like I don't this is not you know like this is not useful to me like this is yeah. not what are what is it what are you offering me here right sort of like that that's just that doesn't create a connection to me whereas if somebody dms me and is like Hey, I know we don't know each other, but I saw you post about this and I wanted to recommend this really good book on that topic. And, you know, I read it and like, here's the top three points I thought were so great. And like, you might love it. Here's a link where your assistant could order it for you. Now I'm like, oh, this person like sees me, sees a way they can be helpful and is like making a connection where they can be helpful to me rather than just feeling like they are either just fangirling to no purpose or are just kind of, I think people don't even People don't even know what they want. They just think success like will rub off on them in some way.
0: I think you're right. I think that's part of what's driving sometimes some of those
1: weird cold DMs
0: <laughs> that are lovey and well-meant, I think sometimes, but they're not They're not thought through.
1: Yeah, or people will DM me and ask me to do shit for them, which I'm like, this is not the way to build a mentor. Related. Like people will DM me and be like, can you recommend a good vegan restaurant in New York or something? And I'm like, no, I'm not even vegan. Like, it'd be one thing if I was, <laughs> had some expertise in this thing. So, I mean, I think my number one piece of advice to anybody who does want a mentor and want to develop that kind of relationship, and this has, doesn't matter what, whether you are in a law firm, whether you're an entrepreneur, whatever you are, is like, how can you be helpful to that person? And you do have to take responsibility for it, right? I mean, I think you see this gender breakdown where women wait for their work to be recognized and they want someone to come like anoint them. And especially in the corporate context, that's generally not going to happen. And, you know, there are obviously a lot of like corporations have these programs where they will like assign you a mentor. And I think the data pretty much seems to be that like, that doesn't do that much, right? Like the person who's kind of assigned to you is not necessarily going to develop the relationship with you where they want to go to bat for you. So you really do have to take um, control and ownership of that. And that means figuring out like who would be... Who could I learn from who would be useful to cultivate and how can I be of service to them so that this is an equally kind of enriching relationship?
0: Yeah, I love that. I think that's solid, solid advice. And understanding that even if you have reached out to them in a way that is like sufficiently like nice (laughs) and not creepy and is of service, that they still get the right to not want to engage with you further or develop a relationship with you. I don't know that over, I mean, there's something that be said for persistence, but I think sometimes like just recognizing they're allowed to be like, thank you. And then that's the end of that. Right.
1: Commitment. You haven't bought yourself a mentorship, even with a book recommendation, like it's an investment of time and energy. And the truth is, I think like, maybe this is an unpopular opinion. I'm not sure. Even if you're trying to be helpful and you can be somewhat helpful, generally a mentorship is more useful for the mentee than for the mentor. That's Right, like it is an unequal relationship in that way. That's why, to me, it, it always has to transcend transcend the contractual. There's like some emotional investment there, where somebody just has taken a shine to someone and wants to help them succeed. Like I want to see my students succeed, not because it's necessarily, Like, sure, it's good publicity, I guess, for for the advanced certification on some level, but that's not really why. It's just like I've taken an interest in you. I've developed a personal relationship with you. I see your potential, and I want you to get out of your own way so you can you know blow your own mind that's why I'm a coach but that relationship is going to be unequal to some extent and that's okay but I, you still want to try to offer something <laughs> it's like if somebody's going to give you a full meal you still show up to their house with like a bottle of wine yeah like <laughs> it's going to be uneven and that's fine they've invited you to enjoy their hospitality but you don't show up empty-handed or like just show up and stare creepily at them like you bring something
0: yeah. And I, I think it's like a great segue into something that you teach in advanced certification. But something that has a profound effect on me is sometimes the hierarchies that develop mm-hmm. in coaching relationships, but I think sometimes also probably in a mentor-mentee dynamic. And like, how do we navigate that <laughs> from a more, like if you're a mentor, and I think a lot of the ladies on, you know, women, humans who listen to the podcast, like they probably are a mentor to someone. And how do we be Mm -hmm. mindful of, and like from your approach, those hierarchies that develop as someone is looking up to us. And there is a, you know, deferential in power dynamics between, you know, the mentor and the mentee.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that one of the reasons I was like a little hesitant about this topic is that I actually don't think of myself as someone who has a lot of mentors. I think of myself as someone who has a lot of colleagues Mm. because I don't personally, I mean, I, you know, there are a couple, I guess, one or two people who I would call my mentors in the coaching space, but there are also people who I would just call my colleagues that someone else might call a mentor, right? Like, you know, one of my colleagues who's a friend of mine makes, I mean, three, her business is three times as big as mine is. Like, I could totally call her a mentor in the sense that like I do coach her sometimes, but like mostly I'm getting information from her. Like I'm not as useful to her on at least the strategic level, but I can, what I can offer is like, you know, emotional coaching, but, but I don't think of her that way. I just think of her as a colleague. And I, so I think to me, like that's part of the, one of the things we teach in the advanced certification is like removing the hierarchy from the coach client relationship. And I think, the same is true for me. And like, I don't find mentor mentee kind of the main framework that I use to think about the people that I, um, sort of draw wisdom or insight from or, or support because I more feel like I'm a mentor to other people maybe, but when I think about myself, I think more of my colleagues who support me. So I think that that's also like, I mean, the beautiful thing about coaching is that we know that when you're in it, you're in it and it really doesn't, the other person doesn't have to be, that doesn't have to be ahead of you in business. They don't have to be a rocket scientist. They don't have to be like the best coach in the world to help you. Like they just have to like not be in it while you're in it. And even if they're brand new and you've been doing it for 10 years, they can help you. So I think like, I, I think this is a, um, this is obviously not my most coaching interview ever, but this is part of what I was getting at with that sort of like, you have to bring something to the table. It's like not a one-way supplicant relationship. Yes. Yeah. Right. It's like, how can you create? Like, it's, you know, somebody can both be your colleague and be ahead of you in some ways. And yet you can also have something to offer, have something to bring to the table, and not expect that they should just want to kind of answer all your questions and tell you what to do.
0: <laughs> yeah. Cause I don't think that is. I mean, I don't know that I would want the dynamic either. And I don't think it would be fruitful for like a long-term emotionally stable relationship dynamic no. with any human is tell me everything I'm supposed to do and what I want to hear and validate me. And blah, blah. yeah. That- your
1: mentor's not your emotional validation vending machine.
0: Yes. Ooh, that's a quotable, y'all. Pause there.
1: <laughs> I called everybody not your, I talk about emotional validation vending machines all the time. Your boss your partner, your parents, everybody, including your mentor. Including your mentor.
0: Yeah. But I love your thought. I think that these are your colleagues, like the colleagues who support you. I think there's a phrase you used. And yeah, I think there's something about that in terms of, especially the, like women are socialized to, I think, create hierarchies in our brains yeah. and then put ourselves at the bottom of the hierarchy itself. So yeah. What if, the people we think are mentors—it's just as a thought experiment—are in fact just colleagues who are supporting us. How differently do we relate to them if we come from that place?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think there's something beautiful. Like, what's beautiful about the concept of a mentor is that it is someone who is invested in your well-being and your success for kind of no particular reason, really. Like, not not because it really benefits them, not because they need you to succeed, not because. They're necessarily going to get something out of it, like really just because they, you know, and I, and I think you see like in any area, there are people who like to mentor a lot and have a lot of those kinds of relationships and people who like don't have any, because it really is about the person and whether that's a way they like to relate to people. And in that way, it really is more like, I think, friendship than it is like a contractual relationship. I love
0: this. I love this whole conversation. So, I mean, we've hinted now, so we could totally tell the people what they're dying to <laughs> What's know. What's
1: the who are my secret. mentors? Who are my mentees? Which of the five are really <laughs> my true mentees? Who are your favorites?
0: Tell me. Who true. are my
1: favorites, girl? <laughs> Whoever I'm talking to is my favorite. That's high. My partner's kids are always asking me who I love more. I was just like such a biological drive to just be like, got to get those resources away from my sibling. <laughs> Even the emotional ones. Even the emotional (laughs) ones. Doesn't matter. I got to get all the Fritos and I need all the love.
0: Oh my gosh. I love it. Like that's how we are, right? So I I won't even ask you that necessarily because I think, I mean, our conversation has been like about sort of dismantling that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So, but let's talk a little bit about advanced venomous certification because you do teach having no hierarchies and having different dynamics and relationships in a coaching, coachy relationship, which I don't hear that anywhere else, but within your program.
1: Yeah. Well, I think one of the ways it relates to this mentor-mentee conversation is that I think we set up hierarchies when we feel that we need something from someone else to succeed. Right? So when we feel, when we have our, when our self-worth or our self-esteem is kind of conditional on success, And then we believe that we like don't know how to get it. We need something from someone else. And then we want, that's when we kind of fall into like a hierarchical relationship where we want the other person to have the answers and be able to tell us what to do and tell us the answers and, and like, you know, be the solution to all of our problems basically. And just like, and liberate us from the kind of weight of having the authority in our own lives. And in the advanced certification and feminist coaching, one of the things I teach as said is how to kind of. I'm constantly trying to say the word de which is like not a word, how to like de-hierarchy, how to take the hierarchy out of the coaching relationship so that it is more of a mutually, it's a facilitative, like peer relationship more than it is a top-down expertise. And I think all that comes from the same place. Like coaches, I, I think like, it's like the same coaches will be the people who feel like they're supposed to be the expert to their client. And then they want someone else to be the expert to them right? Like that's going to be the same person who thinks that like, it's their job to know everything for somebody else. And then they don't know anything for themselves and someone else should know everything for them. But when you have, I think when you create that sort of deep self acceptance and authority in your own life and authority in your own business and your own coaching practice, then you just don't need to be the expert. And you also don't feel the need to have hierarchy in your mentor relationships. You still totally, I hire coaches all the time. Cause who are like, I want you to help me with this specific thing. But my, but my framework going into it is always that we are like peers trying to figure something out. And this is an area where they either, you know, have a little more skill, a little more knowledge, or just are not all fucked up about it in the head the way I am at the moment. And like, so that's how they're going to help me. And I think that's also impacted how I feel about even my own mentors, where I just, I don't take things as, I mean, one of the things that stood out to me so much when I went through life coach certification was that I was so grateful that I had done a lot of body positivity work and kind of even fat activism learning, like before I went to coach certification, because it meant that even from the very beginning, even though I love my coach and teacher and, you know, she's changed my life, I went into it being like, here's this big thing that we don't agree about. And I'm going to like, you know, cause I don't teach weight loss coaching and I teach body positive coaching. And I sort of had to grapple with like, how do you do that? How do you have a mentor or a teacher where you don't agree with a big thing they're teaching and how do you make peace with that? And I think going through that process, that was probably the very beginning of like taking out the hierarchy because I allowed there to not be a pedestal and me. And I think I've carried that into how I coach and now how I train other coaches. And I think that that, I have a whole podcast episode called like no gods, and no gurus. Like I am nobody's guru. I am nobody's. I had this question come in the other day that was like, It was one of those anonymous, like ask me anonymous questions. I'll answer them on Instagram. And it was like, I love you so much. Like, will you coach, like, I like come coach in the clutch more. Like you're who we want to see. And I was like, I'm not doing that on purpose because I do not want to create a cult of personality around myself. Like that is not my goal here. I do not want to be the person that you think you need to see to solve your problem or who has all the answers. I want you to see that so many coaches can help you and you have to learn how to help yourself. And my experience in training coaches and how to do this is that it just is like such a relief to them yeah, to not have to be like, oh, I'm supposed to be the expert. I'm supposed to know what's supposed to happen. I'm supposed to know where the client needs to get to. I got to try to force that resolution on them. Like, it feels like people are coaching like, okay, the, like the Re- revelation train leaves at 340. So we got to like get on it because we're 325 and I don't feel like we're going to get to the station on time. And that cramps your coaching so much. Yeah. And I think it like forces
0: things to like happen in a way that's not natural. So they don't stick.
1: Absolutely. It forces intellectual revelation or insight. People who come to coaching often are coming because they've been to therapy and had plenty of insight and that did not change anything for them. So you can get a big, I mean, this is part of the whole thing, right? Where when we don't have grounding in our own authority, we want the client to have an aha moment so we feel good about ourselves. And so then we're like pushing them to have an intellectual revelation that is not going to stick emotionally.
0: Yeah. And I think that's true. Some Like even in mentor relationships where you, you like become invested in the mentee so that you could feed your own ego mm-hmm. or you're invested in the client's outcomes so that you could feed your own ego. And I say ego, not as a bad word. We all have egos, but right. that's not the purpose of that relationship and somehow, because we're human, we do this. So you if you start to get graspy, like so-and-so didn't have an aha moment, they didn't have this huge revelation or a big breakthrough or whatever language you yeah. use, that's the sign. You are not lined up with your client. You totally are trying to force them into this moment so that you can feel better.
1: Yeah. I always say when we're done coaching, you should feel kind of angry and confused. <laughs> that's the good place. Like, that's where I want you to be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think some of the best coaching I've had with you is I I've either told you ill.
1: Or, yeah, yeah. There's either been there's either been a lot of disgust or crying, but neither yeah. way has it neither way has it been like, wow, the the sunlight of revelation has shone on me and I feel great.
0: I feel so much better now. No, this is not. Yeah. And or crying. And I think one time I told you, you broke my heart. I think you broke my
1: heart. <laughs> Just be clear. I didn't break her heart by being mean to her. No, it was like the response. Yeah, she's being mean to herself. Yeah, (laughs) but she was being mean to herself. But right. Like if your client, if your people are coming to you because they are stuck and having trouble with something. So the idea that it could just be like tied up in a pretty little bow without them going through any discomfort, the whole reason people come to coaching generally is that they are not willing to feel uncomfortable. So it's pretty rare that the medicine is going to be. Don't worry, I'll solve this for you and you won't have to feel uncomfortable.
0: Yeah. And I it wouldn't stick, right? If you had right. just told me what you thought I wanted to hear so that I could feel better, I would not have walked away from that particular coaching conversation. With I mean, just it was like it was weeks later. I was still thinking, I mean, I still think about it. I'm like, oh my gosh, right? Because I had this is
1: such so a good example also. of why coaching is so important, also. And like a mentor doesn't fill the spot of a coach because if somebody is paying me as their coach. I'm going to like show up and hold that space as long as I need to. I'm like, I'm going to coach them. If if I'm like sort of your mentor and I'm just sitting next to you in an event, I'm just going to be like, oh my God, here's what you should think. Let me just tell you your thoughts. Which like is fine, especially because, you know, when you've known somebody a long time, sometimes that works. Yeah. But it's very different. Like you're not, you don't show up in the same way. So I also would say like, I don't think anybody should only rely on mentorship, right? Like there's something beautiful about each of these relationships and they're very different, but one is not better than the other. and you need, you still need a coach and a coach and a mentor are not doing the same thing as a mentor. I'm much more likely to just be like, this is how you should rewrite that email. Like I, I you know, whereas as a coach, I'm going to be like, okay, well, what was the thought when you wrote this email? Let's take you through that. Let me coach you on that thinking. I'm trying to get you to figure out how to write the email differently on your own. Whereas I like, when I have sort of my mentor hat on, I'm just like, oh my God, why would you say it this way? Like go do that again. <laughs>
0: Yeah and I I love that we need both in our lives yeah. for different purposes, different roles. Totally. Absolutely. And I and the, we don't have to expect with any relationship friends that one person is going to be the end all be all to meet our wants
1: and needs for all no, purposes. No. They're very different things. Like sometimes I just want someone to be like how should you set up your mailing list to both? Like I don't need to be coached through it. I'm like I just literally don't have the information. It's not a coaching issue, but then sometimes I need coaching and those are two very different things and we don't want to conflate them.
0: I love that. Any last words, Car? anything that we haven't talked about that you would like the humans to know?
1: Having a mentor is fun. Having mentees is fun, but like fundamentally you're your own mentor in some way, right? Like you, are, you're the person who has to pick the mentors. Like you can't get a mentor for picking your mentors. Like you have to have your own kind of back and have your own authority in that process. So I don't say you're your own mentor to mean like expertise doesn't matter. Nobody can, like, I'm a big believer in, you know, paying people for their expertise and not reinventing the wheel. But fundamentally, like, here's what I would say. If you are grounded in your own authority in your life, having a mentor is incredibly valuable. If you are not grounded in your own authority in your life, a mentor is not really going to help you because you're just going to turn the mentor into that hierarchical authority who you try to put the responsibility for your life and your business on and they're bound to disappoint you. So it all comes back as usual to what is your relationship with yourself?
0: All right. I'm going to mic and drop it there. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Thanks you, for head. having me. <laughs> <laughs> all right, y'all. Till next time, stay tuned for the Mentor Series. We are out.
1: If you're loving what you're learning in the podcast, you have got to come check out The Clutch. The Clutch is the podcast community for all things Unfuck Your Brain. It's where you can get individual help applying the concepts to your own life. It's where you can learn new coaching tools not shared on the podcast that will blow your mind even more. And it's where you can hang out and connect over all things ThoughtWork with other podcast chickens just like you and me. It's my favorite place on earth and it will change your life. I guarantee it come join us at www.unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash the clutch. That's unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash the clutch. I can't wait to see you there.